0: Burn and Return, a weekly one-hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turfgrass industries. With the DJ Scratch, that means we are live. How the hell is everybody doing? Welcome to another episode of... uh, What is this? Burn and Return. (laughs) uh burn and return i'm sorry i'm out there um uh, my name is matt sometimes i go by the grass factor martin i was there was something that i was looking up that i wanted to send to you guys and i was trying to do that in the midst of of all of this as well too and it just it was coming out terrible um
1: I just anyway, thought the Spinal I, Tap found all the acid. That's that's a, it, that, like, it did. And it,
0: it left me all at one time. And, uh, <laughs> and it, was, it was really, really intense there for a second.
1: The, uh,
0: the kaleidoscope visual effects just always seem to linger real randomly from time to time. All right, I'm back. Ah, ah.
2: Um, if y'all are listening for the
0: first time, uh, just so you know, you can listen to this on podcast too. Uh, whether it's Spotify or Apple or, uh, whatever your flavor is, uh, and the, and the people that are like, man, it's, it's long to sit and watch a video. I get it. I get it. Listen to it in podcast form. It's on all your favorite podcast apps. I am making a more concerted effort. I'm trying to get this switched over to Spotify for podcasters uh, we had been using Podbean. I had been banned from Spotify. Um, it, it was a it was a mass reporting event that took place a couple years ago, and uh, I got banned from Spotify. And then, uh, on a, on a whim, my wife uh, my wife just hit the number one podcast in the country of Japan. By the way. Uh, with her podcast All Day America, which Damn. was uh, it was pretty pretty shocking uh, to to watch watch that go from zero to 100 real fast. <laughs> um, but anyway, she uses it, and I was like, for shits and giggles, because it's so much more intuitive than Podbean, a lot more flexibility, and and being able to uh, manipulate episodes and stuff to 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 make the content more approachable for people that don't want to sit and uh, watch a three hour video. I get it, or a two hour video. And uh, and so anyway, in in doing that, I realize I am no longer banned on on Spotify, and so um, I'm going to try and do that. So whether it's Thursday, Thursday, or it's Burn and Return, you can listen to it in podcast form. If you missed uh, Thursday's episode with turfology, the first one we did with them, we did an extreme deep dive into um, uh, chloroquine pill and uh, the other options for uh, army worms, right? So not just mm-hmm. grub control, but also army worms. And, uh, and that was, that was a pretty, pretty deep dive into that. And then this week, um, it was all about, uh, 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 profitability, I think, I think is the the, the easiest, simplest way to put that. It was, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you take what you currently do, manipulate it to become as profitable. And, uh, and so we actually pulled apart their program, to a very extreme way and then put it all back together to be, to be profitable and still generate the types of results that their, their customer base expects. And so it's fun. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and so of course, if you don't feel like watching the three hour video, you can hop on over on a podcast, uh, in podcast form and listen to it there as well. Uh, that out of the way, uh, boys, how was your week? And, uh, any, any, any good news on the horizon? Y'all got anything good?
1: Uh, no. Nothing good. I mean, it's always good, right? I mean, still alive, still breathing and uh I don't know, Ray. Um you know, we've got uh well, here, I will share this. This is good, right? And it's a good it's a good uh segue from what Matt was just talking about with the podcast format and also with uh the show. We are coming up on uh 2 years of sitting here every week driveling on about this fucking bullshit. I'm uh, turf. Um as uh, as a group, and and it's pretty cool. Uh, plenty of people that hate us, a few people that love us, and that's just fine with us. We're not here to win hearts and minds. We're just here to yeah. uh, get together and share our opinions. And uh, mm-hmm. so, for that effort uh, between Thursday, Thursday, and uh, Burn and Return, we've uh, created somewhere in the neighborhood of about six to seven hundred hours of content. Um, but we want to ask our loyal listeners if they would be so kind, uh, if they wanna share their favorite moments or their favorite episodes, we've got a link right here that our astute producer, uh, Jay Pink has developed for us and we'll have this up. We'll throw the link up in the uh, description, in the video and also in the podcast show notes. And you can go on there and for our episode, our upcoming episode number 69, uh, (laughs) that will be here in about three weeks, uh, we will run these down. We'll chop up. What we can, and uh you know we'll have a little bit of fun with it, you know, two years, pretty cool, a lot of guests, a lot of great conversation, and some weird ass headlines and uh Ray, are you ready for the headlines?
2: Ready as I ever will be, I mean, uh, alarm me, I mean, horrify me i mean what 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 do you what else do you do best, Ryan?
1: <laughs> I feel like Ray comes in here every week for his dose of reality because his life is just too damn chipper. And he needs us to bring him down back to Earth every Sunday night. Chipper chipper is in wood chipper. (laughs) Chipper,
2: chipper is in the uh, like that guy in Fargo. Yeah, the (laughs) more bark uh, diesel powered. You know, the
1: one that'll just like without that safety bar. You know, like you know, you're not fudge the safety bar, Ryan. Exactly. You know what? I always wondered about that and not to get too morbid here, but this is death talk. And if you have been a loyal listener, you'll know that we, I think we've got, uh, I don't know if we have a streak, but pre- better than 90% of our episodes, we do have some morbid conversation or talk uh, <laughs> directly about death. Listen, you, d- has the safety bar on the chipper hurt more people than it's helped? I mean, do you think how many people that hit the safety bar would have rather mm-hmm. just gone all the way through and forgot about everything forever? i, I, I have these man
0: Habsies and in a wood chipper by the time you get to it i mean at that point yeah. are you not just like give me a full send come on <laughs> take
2: me yeah it, it, it it's it's uh it's just reminding me of this uh you know some bad stuff that i've seen not human of course but, you know i've seen some not so what? good
1: things what the fuck are we talking about god almighty Ray's talking okay. about that alternate uh, that alternate ending of Thelma and the Wheeze, you know, where mm. uh, they both they both went through. I was the looking for a Vermeer. bottle of air duster to huff real quick to get through this
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously. Oh my God, Ray!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see. Maybe, That's anybody safety got a nanogram bar. scale for the Sentinel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Actually, do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just, just use the monument the, scoop what just all right you oh. got to clarify this ray because i i
2: <laughs> okay because when you folks said half of I don't know if you got to clarify of, this right uh, half of a person uh you know one of my neighbors had oh, this Jesus. adorable brindle pit bull oh i mean he no. was just a no he was just one of the sweetest friendliest nicest dogs oh. however he had an intense dislike for cats oh no oh my god yeah, yeah. and the, the pit bull put a cat into a wood chipper no better the oh no you know, doggy manage to catch the cat and consume exactly half of the cat
0: oh okay 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 this is yeah right. <laughs> yeah i Man, mean that I is we were... nature thought... is metal i'm okay with that
1: yeah, yeah, I yeah, uh, thought we were. I thought we were going to. You know, guy calls the tree service over to prune his trees, and also he finds all the neighborhood cats. You know, with a can of tuna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 we no, 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 no. Yeah, I Steve thought Steve got know, real
0: angry about his cat getting eaten and uh and rented a three
2: hundred horsepower
0: wood chipper <laughs>
2: and uh, and that vermeer <laughs> went. Bah. Nope, nope, no nothing like real- that. But it, it's it's just when you said half, I thought, oh no, that <laughs> so. So reminds me of uh, Kane and uh, what he did to that cat. <laughs> oh. Really, yeah, no. that is. Yeah. Man. Na- nature is gonna... metal. Literally, nature, no, nature is brutal. Nature is brutal. I mean, yeah. that's uh, that's fact of life. But then, yeah, I mean, that's just uh, when you so say so
0: half, so I thought so. We're chippers.
1: Well, I was going to say, my mind went. The headline, yeah, the, my mind went there too, and the headlines will be a lot better than uh, hearing about a Vermeer eating a pussy. All right, let's go to those
2: headlines.
1: <laughs> 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 This is that more, just that was, a, the news. that was a pre-show conversation really was.
0: Man, I got real nervous there for a second. I'm not going to lie like I am but my armpits are in a steady state. It's Adventure River the water park is going on in my armpits right now.
1: <laughs> uh, fertilizer
0: oh no. is unprecedented. Um Anyway, uh, fertilizer has been one of the hottest topics in agriculture over the past couple of years, as prices and availability have ebbed and flowed, making it a busy time in the industry. Uh, the last 12 to 18 months have been completely unprecedented in the number of questions we we're getting about fertilizers, especially from outside of the sector. Uh, there's been a huge amount of volatility and uncertainty in these markets. Uh, Cross said the significant period of price inflation led to, to some of the volatility, but also a few recent developments contributed. The rise in crop market prices has led to increased demand for fertilizer and global events play a role as well. Uh, Fertilizer markets sit directly between the energy markets and the food markets. That means there is quite a lot of opportunity for disruption, as we've seen in the last 12 months or so, even going back before the war in Ukraine and COVID era politics. Uh, Did I say politics or policies? Sorry. Uh, However, despite the I guess they're one and the same at this point. However, despite the high prices, uh, Cross said that the idea of a fertilizer shortage in the world is a myth. Uh, Josh Linville, the fertilizer analyst with Stonex, said global events are having a significant impact on the U.S. fertilizer markets. Russia stopped exporting natural gas to Europe, which impacted production. When that first started happening, the marketplace said it didn't matter and not that big of a deal because Western Central Europe only accounts for 5% of the world. 5% of a really big number is still a very big number. Cross noted that demand for nitrogen is often constant despite the price. The major fluctuation comes from other forms of fertilizer. If the price of our crop changes, the nitrogen component in terms of farm level uh, uh, very rarely change. For phosphate and potash, you see a very clear response when crop prices are either stable or lower than normal. Limbaugh added that the states of the Corn Belt, such as Iowa and Illinois, are the only ones that will drive the market they plant corn uh year over year over year over year uh we put a lot of uh oh man that jumped around now uh, we put a lot of focus building our demand models on the southern plains northern plains and uh in those fringe acres before the ethanol boom they were crp or some other uh, crop and now they're switching to corn when examining previous fertilizer crunches in uh, 97 and 08, Lindville noted production increase to solve those issues. He said it is harder to get some of these production plants back online in this era with constantly changing government regulations. If you go to any investment firm, they want a multi-decade guaranteed investment on their money. But where are you going to put it? Are you going to put it in the U.S.? I wouldn't because we have a government that seems to not know what it wants to be every two or four years. <laughs> it's very difficult to pull, a, uh, to pull to build a brand new facility. And uh, and it ends there. And uh, I, if if you can't see this right, then you are. Uh, I'm going to call you a dumbass. Um, I have raised money in the fertilizer industry, and it is one hell of a crapshoot as to which way's up, down, sideways, and side to side. In one sense, you have grants for new fertilizer technology coming on in the United States, and the other the other sense, you have um, the uh, the anti fossil fuel industry. Uh, you know, where even during campaign terms it's you know, there will be no more drilling in the United States. However, we're approving uh, drilling uh, to resume in, uh, in Venezuela. And then we're going to, we're going to go ahead and open one up in Alaska too. So when it says, And I'm not I'm not trying to make this a left right uh, political thing. But what the, the point is, is that the government does not seem to know what it wants to be every two to four years. That's exactly what's going on. The rhetoric that you're hearing on both sides is creating a lot of uncertainty. And it makes people not really want to put money in this because they don't see a lot of stability or long term play on it. Now, I will say this is that with the current rhetoric that we are hearing is that um, w- one of the things I do know is that there are going to be a shit ton of organic plants coming online in the next two years. And when I say a shit ton, way more than the market can support. And so, uh, I'm here to sit back and watch. And it's one of those things where, you know, you, you find yourself moving away from fertilizer and you count your blessings because when you start looking at the size, scope and scale at which these uh, and I, I can't get into specifics but i can't say that organic fertilizer is about to turn on in in such a big way that there's uh, there's nowhere near the amount of demand at the prices that are sought in order to keep these things profitable uh, uh, for it to, to all be successful so you know it is we're in a weird time right now really weird time and uh and it's we're seeing commodity prices at low on on urea for instance but nobody can buy it at that price and they're like i don't understand if it's if, if this is what my commodity price is, why the fuck can I land it within this wheelhouse? And they're like, well, you know, markets, right? <laughs> so, but no, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand. If it's trading at 350, why the hell am I landing it at 650? It doesn't make any sense. Or you're trying to find it on the spot market, right? And everybody's holding inventory from when it was 750 and they're trying to unload it at 650 and you can get it to your door at 800. And you're like, damn it, I don't get it. And that's why that's why, you know, typically commodity traders are not actually dealing in the brokering or fertilizer. They're just trading commodities like they do stocks. Right. And uh, and so, you know, when it's all unrealized gains or losses, that's a whole different wheelhouse than it is when you're actually touching a tangible product and trying to sell at that point. So no shock here. And uh, and, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out in the wash. I will say that the fuckery we have seen up to this point is likely to continue to trend for at least the next couple of years. years. Um, and does does that mean we're not going to see softening in prices? Hell no. We'll definitely see softening in prices. It's just the volatility that we're seeing behind it is unprecedented. And uh, and I think it will continue to be volatile uh, that any uh, uh, catalyst to move one way or the other, we're going to see big swings in those directions, whatever that may be. Um, Yeah. Y- y'all have anything else to add to that?
1: No, jump into that next article because it talks a little bit let's, about. What, let's what do weed. this.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's right. I forgot this one was coming up next, and I was actually you're good. Yes, I was intending to segue into this. Uh, why are some ag retailers sitting on high fertilizer prices, making sense of disparity right now? Uh, uh, even though fertilizer and herbicide prices continue to fall, uh, there are signs that decline could could continue in the spring. Now the issue is the number of agricultural retailers sitting on high price inputs, which are often passed on to farmers. Uh, a year ago they were all climbing out of the out of the wazoo uh, especially with the with the ukraine war and then all of a sudden 87% of retailers experienced difficulty sourcing inputs in 2022 of those 85% had trouble with herbicide availability 38% had difficulty sourcing fertilizer the biggest issue was securing enough glyphosate with 100% of respondents reporting issues with that particular chemistry 69% reported difficulty sourcing glufosinate yeah australia got wrecked in that whole deal uh, a year later, the story has dramatically changed. Active ingredients are flowing freely from China. Declining natural gas prices are leading to less expensive fertilizer. Um, however, what you're seeing is uh, wholesale midwest pricing is some of the nitrogen products down 20% since the start of the year. This is really a functioned inventory, but also the natural gas price in Europe creating a less worst-case scenario, as well as potentially some of the big buyers sitting out in the market to kind of get a little bit of clarity. It uh, says there's been less of a fall on the phosphate side, but it's still in the double digits. Taylor expects further downside of that market in the coming weeks. The potash market price decline has been more pronounced with a 20% fall in Midwest potash prices on the retail level. Uh, with a sudden shift to prices, it creates a difficult scenario for those retailers sitting on fertilizer prices that are at a much higher level than what is posted today. What this very often means is that kind of overplayed cliche. Who wants to catch the falling knife as the market's coming down? The independent people within that value chain, the farmer, the retailer, the distributor, they don't necessarily want to be taking hold of inventory that they might not... Didn't necessarily be able to get the value out of and that they paid for ostensibly. Taylor thinks there's been a front loading of the price decline with some fertilizer prices looking at a 30% drop since November. You've seen an early fall off in the price. And I think this has just added a little bit more fear on the nitrogen side. It has just been steeper than a lot of people have thought. And, uh, and this has been a function, I would say, primarily the weather components and the supply of natural gas in Europe. There's not uh, necessarily anything that anyone can do to legislate for these kinds of weather forecasts or changing in the landscape. Uh, so it goes on to talk about, yeah, you know, basically some people bought as it was fi- falling and it's just continued to fall. And now they're holding urea. That was at, we'll say $800 a ton, and now it's at $400 a ton, and they're like, fuck, what do I do with it? And then, fortunately, they still got to sell it for whatever they can get out of it, right? Hope that makes sense.
1: Well, and I think the point to highlight there is that <clears throat> turf markets are in exactly the same position, right? So you're seeing a lot of articles coming out now about, you know, uh, commodity prices are falling and raw material prices falling, all that kind of stuff. But, right, a lot of these retailers are holding on to stuff that is, vastly what looks like overpriced right in the in the common uh vernacular of okay hey we see all these articles everything like that but uh i don't think you're going to see these correct and i think that's what they're saying is that it's producers right now right uh that it's in their hands to get uh these lower priced raw materials in start producing product and selling that back you know to uh retailers and ultimately you know realizing whatever savings is actually you know the slack that's in the market right so the the moral of the story here is Ray, I don't think we're gonna see uh, anything like this in the turf market to respond to commodity prices anytime in the near future. No,
2: I, I don't expect it to. It, it's a matter of, because we have all, enough inventory of material on, on the market that was put on the market at the higher price, sorry, everybody's gonna have to eat a bag of dicks i mean that's just that's just how it is and you know it it would be rather naive and disingenuous to then tell your supplier but 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 uh urea and potash uh dropped by so many percent uh well too bad because what he has in his warehouse. Is priced at the prices when that stuff was manufactured, and if it was astronomically stupidly high, tough, too bad. <laughs> so, it is, yeah. I mean, and I just, uh, again, this is why we always harp on efficiency in agronomic programs because gone are the days when you can just throw it down and keep on throwing it down even though you're not getting your return on investment because i know that that mentality arrived at a time when fertilizer was cheap well guess what it ain't cheap anymore.
1: Well, and it, and it, and it goes both ways, right? There are folks that bought up a lot of materials, right? As prices were rising, right? So Mm. bought low as the market was rising. And this is just, you know, the inverse effect. You're going to see this in any other pricing scenario anywhere else, right? In the world right now is as things return to earth, there is inventory that's held that has to be sold at what it was bought at. And that's just the way Mm. it's going to be. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Hey, listen, uh, there, there, the, the great, Lawn care YouTube philosopher Ron Henry once said, you know, put down as much as you can afford. And uh that's the way. Sell out of that inventory, boys, so we can get the lower price inventory in here and move some shit. Yeah. Apply, it. apply all the uh all the uh all of it that you can afford
0: to apply. Uh prospect of ban, speaking of not being able to forge it, prospect of ban on gas powered <laughs> lawn equipment draws pushback in South Portland. Ha!
1: Wow lord have mercy wait wait. now though listen south portland just so everybody is aware south yeah, portland yeah, yeah. you know is i know you know i think it's right know. ray do you know about south portland
2: not really please educate All me right. ryan
1: so south portland maine just below yeah. to yeah. the south of portland maine uh yeah. was one of the first and probably uh most publicized i shouldn't say it's first but one of the first real high profile uh Complete pesticide bans within a community uh, in the United States here back in 2016. So it is banned everywhere: golf courses, athletic fields, the whole bit. Uh, we've done a, a couple of talks about some of their uh, practices and some of that. There's been a, a lawn mm-hmm. care company that was fined a little while ago. So interesting. I'm I'm interested to hear this article because they're taking another step. Let's hear it, Matt.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, already everybody's feeling inflation right now, and I know the numbers are only 6%, but if anybody can look at their weekly or monthly budgets and see prices only increasing 6%, let's talk, because uh, that would just be, I'd gladly take 6% over compared to what my monthly expenses have gone up over the last two years. Um, Anyway, Kenny Roberts, who manages CKC Landscaping, uh, said his profit margin would absolutely evaporate if he had to use commercial electric mowers that can cost twice as much as gas-powered equipment, I'd have to stop mowing in South P- Portland. It's going to hurt everybody. As the price of your lawn mowed is going to go up. And, uh, and so basically, everybody's kind of wigging out because, you know, who does this end up affecting by in, uh, uh, in enacting a ban on gasoline-powered lawn equipment, uh, especially if they push it too eco-friendly, too far, too soon, right? Well, it ends up uh, hurting the, the, uh, the people who are uh, middle-lower income, right and i and i'll say this even ha, i'll say i'll say uh upper middle class is 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 not always ready to swing an 800 dollars electric mower right uh, especially if you have an acre where you may uh, need to free up a little bit more than than the uh, uh time than what it takes to push mow uh, an acre and a half of land right and you're like man i would really love just a simple ride- on mower that i could do it well if you get one that's electric, good luck. You're going to get it for three, four, five, ten thousand dollars, and then it is what it is. And then you start looking at people that have landscaping companies, and you know the fascinating thing is that about a lot of these these landscaping companies is that if, if they're gross, think about it at thirty five dollars a cut. How many lawns, how many cuts do you have to put in through the course of a year to generate a hundred thousand dollars in revenue? That's a shitload of cuts. In fact, let's go ahead and do the math on that. I'm feeling, uh, math froggy here, hundred thousand dollars <laughs> divided by 35. You're at almost 3000 cuts on the year that you have to perform. Right. And, uh, and so, and then your margins on top of, of that, right. How much time is it going to take you to cut 3000? It's over. Now you think about that, the equipment that you have invested in and been making payments on it for this point all go away. And now you have to take your $18,000 gas mower and convert it into a $35,000 gas mower. And what's your return on investment at that at $35 a cut. Three thousand cuts a year, right? So this is a very, very significant amount of change that's that's going to uh, going to be enacted here. I'm always interested in what's best for the environment, for my workers, and for my customers," said Branford, whose company also most lawns in South Portland and Scarborough. I think these are very good intentions. I don't know that the technology is ready. Uh, California has started this already, and Branford suggests South Portland phase in any restrictions, focusing on residents first, allowing commercial operations to test the viability of electric equipment. The owner of Sweet Pea Lawn Care agreed, but he said he supports a ban wholeheartedly. I'm an environmentalist at heart and I'm all for saving the planet. Uh, he started a one person operation in 2017 using all electric equipment. He upgraded the commercial mower in 2020, paying 18 grand compared to the 10 he would have for the gas mower. I can't exactly charge my customers double what others charge. Uh, 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 but he makes other business decisions that keep his costs down. It's like limiting his cu- customer base to South Portland, Cape and Scarborough, which limits travel time and expenses. Uh, he su- suggests the city start with residents and focus on small equipment like leaf blowers and wheat trimmers, then move on to mowers and eventually include commercial operators. He also recommended extending rebates and other incentives to landscaping companies that buy electric equipment. It's funny when you talk to the business owners in this, you seem to have a more practical approach towards the uh, wh- the, the, the word you use that I think is just or the phrase you use to me that I, I think is uh, is so applicable in just so many situations is the velocity of change, right? And uh, and it's interesting hearing from the business owners scale back the velocity of change for some more common sense approaches. And so, look, offer some incentives, offer some rebates, and let's start equipment by equipment, and slowly, gradually work our way up into something that looks more at scale. And that could potentially offer you know uh, some some solutions to the pitfalls we may uh, encounter along the way. So there it is. Uh, listen to your local business owners. My take.
2: My question is, Matt. With this grand change, will homeowners and consumers be willing to settle for less I, no, I, I, even I that, I, if you if you
0: start with just enacting this in the in the no, residential market, right? How many people are going to go? Out, how many people have cash right now to go out and drop well, five hundred dollars, no, four hundred dollars
2: no, on? No, I, I'm, on a, I'm not even talking about the equipment. On an man. equipment set. No, I'm not even talking about the equipment. What I'm talking about is the prospect of their properties, their homes, no longer being as kept up you know I mean because you take away all of this equipment designed to quickly and efficiently maintain all of these properties something's got to give and what's going to give is unmowed lawns and a lot more trash and debris and leaves on the ground. I mean, how is that going to square with the homeowners themselves? And I think, and I'm guessing that somebody or some people, the light bulb went off in their head and they realized no more mowers, no more blowers. My property is going to look like shit okay my property's gonna look like shit i mean i mean is is it I, i still say uh my invitation to all of these environmental extremists is okay you get your fucking ass out there with the rake and with the grass clippers and you do what you expect other people to do go do it show me
0: and seriously r- real talk and and May, i know you you're a bit more uh uh op- optimistic in these types of conversations uh and, and and it's i really have no opinion either way but i can just say purely from a consumer standpoint under no fucking circumstance am i going to allocate 500 dollars to electric lawn maintenance equipment right now not a chance if I have a spare $500 right now, I'm going to put it towards my kid's education fund or something else because I'm just, I'm not going to do it. And if it's an all out ban, guess what? I'm going to be the weirdo out there in the middle of the night with a halogen light fucking doing it with my gas powered equipment. <laughs> and if someone calls the law on me, then I'm going to bark at whoever shows up and tell them to get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not going to allocate that capital right now. It's too much. There's too much economic uncertainty and I don't feel confident enough. About what things are going to look at over the next five, ten, fifteen years, and uh, you know, it's like, like for instance, you know, you know, again, in my opinion, right now, and this is just purely my opinion, cash is king, and I would rather sit on more of it than less of it right now, regardless of what laws or regulations are enacted at
2: the at the consumer level. Yeah, uh, and I would go even, I would go even one step further, Matt. In that, should I be faced with something like this, Nat? You know what uh, I would invest in? Concrete. Concrete. All the grass, all the trees. Environmentally friendly. No, no. All the grass, all the trees, all the crap, all of that is gone. No more vegetation. Okay, no more. Because the expectation at the end of the day is that properties be clean that's the expectation and especially in you know my market my area that is the expectation so it's interesting how as politically correct hawaii is there has never been any successful moves towards getting rid of gas powered equipment here give me give me the the
0: optimistic approach here demay what what are we overlooking
1: i mean i i don't know what I, i i really i i think again it's the unintended consequences we've talked about this all the time with with bands there's always somebody that's left in a lurch and i i'm in agreement with with you that the the velocity of change needs to slow down a little bit allow some time for people to drop incentivize the behavior that you want to see right you know just don't have some unfunded mandate that says that well you've got to do this or else right um you know everybody with a with a gas stove you know like me are gonna have to put an electric in. i don't know and it's not to get into a political debate it's just the idea that uh there are ways to do this there's the way that the world works right the way the business works the way the capital allocation i don't care if you talk about your personal budget or you know, if you are a business owner, you understand that, right, like there there are things that you have to do and maintain and everything like that, but a seismic shift in the way that you operate that is uh a completely um you know, a a complete shift and it's and it's mandated, right, that you do it, uh, with no thought or rhyme or reason or anything like that to how you're going to do it. And I understand the why. I get that part of it, but you know, what what are you gaining, right? Are you putting people out of business? Right. And potentially I I, I will I will say that right to to Ray's point. You want to take a big picture look at it, and I'll be a little dystopian, a little bit pessimistic on this front, is how many people just throw their hands up, you know, from a professional sense and just say, Fuck it, I'm out. Like I'm not doing that. I know
0: people that sold their businesses in in with the with the COVID lockdown in states that had more extreme lockdowns literally sold their businesses and moved to other states and it's not one i know multiple people that fled the northeast moved down south and i uh, are sitting on their nda and they're ready to go again in fact they're working in other companies and they're talking about how great it is to be exposed to uh, the, the culture of the south and learn from it and uh and then to be able to partner with someone else and, and do it all over again right and they're excited to do it because it's a it's a completely different market. And it's a completely different field than what they were accustomed to. And if the government gonna is going to put them out of business, then they're going to redo it better the way they wanted to originally.
2: Yeah, you see, what I also foresee happening is the states that go into this. Okay, first of all, there was COVID and the flight from those st- from the states that were overzealous about COVID. Well, you know what I foresee, that. I foresee a lot of people getting the bloody hell out of states that pull something like that. Because I told you guys, too, the second that Hawaii successfully passes anything that resembles a total pesticide ban, then I am definitely gone. I'm out of here. That's it, that's it, it. it. I think it comes down the the the, fun, the fundamental question
0: that has to be asked at the end of the day is that is is a ban really the appropriate approach? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think so. I think the market could do a better job at determining that. Right? It's South Portland. We know that uh, there's the reason why there was a pesticide ban is that there were enough people agreed to it. Right? And so if it is the nature of the business there, and you advertise yourself as a company that offers. Electric lawn services, then that may be all you need to differentiate yourself, and it's eventually going to drive out the people that use gas-powered equipment, and except for the people that can't afford the electric lawn services, right? And so they kind of create these two different market segments. One will be bigger than the other, and the market tends to take care of itself. I fail to see how an outright ban is going to solve this, but you know that's a that's a philosophical question, not a uh, uh, not necessarily one of policy here. Uh, the last one here is Ukraine farmers stalled, fueling fears of global food shortages. Reuters coming in with the thunder here. Uh, the, the Ukraine war is still ongoing here. And, uh, and guess what I have, man? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a national wheat harvest on which millions in the developing world would depend, uh, is, uh, is struggling because they can't feed these crops soon. Far fewer of the so-called tillers will sprout. Uh, the wheat was planted last autumn, which after a brief growing period fell dormant for the winter Before the grain returns to life. However, farmers typically spread fertilizer that encourages growth, but they are short of fertilizer as well as pesticides and herbicides. And uh, should this fail? You know, again, we talked about this last year and we're seeing it again. Um, and, and here's the other thing is that. <laughs> I, I have y'all been paying attention to what's been going on with people that grew wheat this year in the, in the U S in the wheat growing regions, not a good year for wheat at all. Um, yeah. especially, and this is, this is even weirder and we'll have to cover this for another day. In fact, this may be like a full Thursday Thursday deep dive is, uh, the no-till acres of wheat seem to have fared worse than the tilled acres of wheat. And I've kind of been collecting mm. some data on that. And, I uh, no, no one has flat out said why this has happened, and and uh, I'm not even seeing a lot of speculation as to why. It's just acres being reported as no-till or conventional, um, and the uh, and the no-till acres are struggling for whatever reason, uh, at, at an equal degree as the uh, as the till acres are. So I don't know. It's an it's an interesting thing through and through, and uh, and something we'll certainly most cover, um. Boys, I just want to say real quick, uh, like we talked about to start off this podcast, we are also on all your favorite podcast episodes. You can see our Thirsty Thursday there. You can see all of our burn and return episodes wherever you like to listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google whoever, whatever, uh, check it out because it's an easy way to, uh, throw it into the headphones while you're out spraying lawns or firing up the battery powered sprayer or whatever it is, however you get it done. And, uh, in, in, in tune in right along while we spew the different things that we have to spew about, because, you know, as, as silly as we can be, I promise that there's a lot of, uh, of, of, um, of uh, valuable information that we're going to be putting out there as well too. Uh, as well, too. So hopefully you will check it out. And if you want to be on the inside of what we have go- going on, check us out patreon.com forward slash burn return. Uh, that's where if you want to interact with Ryan, if you want to interact with Ray, if you want to interact with me, uh, with me, uh, hop on over there. And then not only that, we have a community of people that are just like you that are super into this. And uh, and they give a shit and they they give a shit about uh, all the things that you do and you you will be stunned and they're going to come from every different form facet faction that you could possibly imagine. And but the beautiful thing is that what's what we're all united on is uh, is the the passion of when it comes to growing plants and uh and it does seem to be more turf centered but, but although you know we there's definitely people that enjoy a lot of growing a lot of them. Well, look, look at look at Derek growing all his peppers down there in Texas right and he's not the only one so uh anyway check it out patreon.com forward slash burner and check us out on all your favorite podcast uh apps as well too uh gentlemen let's go ahead and jump into this week's Joe Knows Turf <laughs>
2: Joe
3: knows turf.
2: <laughs> Hi,
0: I'm Joe. I'm gonna give you a bunch of accurate turf acts today because Joe knows
2: turf. <laughs> Joe does
0: know turf, and uh and the and the. I, I don't. I, is there still sadness going on there? Is he okay? Do we need to check in on him? I'm worried. I, uh, you know the. Uh, uh, as far as the, I know, I've, he's I've, I've, I felt like we were doubling down on the five stages of grief, part two. Um, And uh, but I don't know, maybe maybe he uh, snorted a line of uh, oxytocin there and feeling a little bit better. But who is being featured on this week?
1: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, you know one of uh, we want to thank Joe and again plug his new show uh, with our with our friend Travis. That's the anti <laughs> uh, Thursday Thursday, the anti burn um, of a <laughs> if you hate, I, I, I say it with, with all the love and affection in my possible heart is uh, possible in my heart is um, if you hate us, you will love them. All right. So go and mm-hmm. check them out. If you're if you're still watching this 48 minutes into our uh, our show, God bless you. Get the fuck out of here and just go listen. To <laughs> guys, okay. Um, now <laughs> on today's Jonas <laughs> uh, turf, one of the things uh, that's been brought up is that maybe we're a little too hard on homeowners and hobbyists and DIYers and everything like that. We don't go after pros. Well, one was set in here, gentlemen, that I wanted to take a look at, get a little bit of your opinion on number one, but also maybe point out a few things that we can teach our pros and make sure that, a hey, before the season gets started, right? You know, these are like the last few practices before you really get going, right, for the, for the regular season and uh, want to make sure everybody's all on the same page. So, Jay Pink, go ahead and slide into about, oh, maybe, uh, 30 seconds into this video, and let's get started with oh, our friends dear. over at Acme World Yesterday World.
3: was my first, and I fell in love with it. So far, I love the spraying a lot more than the mowing. It's super fun riding this... You and me both. Lean to spray, Z-sprayer. <laughs> I mean, lean to steer, spray, Z-sprayer. Super fun, like I said, and, uh... I'm out of chemical, so I'm gonna mix these chemicals up um, and you guys are gonna be my witnesses that I know I can remember by myself how much of each chemical that I'm supposed to use. Um, And today we're using Ranger Pro Roundup instead of the Roundup Concentrate, which means that we're gonna be using more because if we were using Roundup Concentrate for the 20 gallon sprayer, we would be using 40 ounces. Of the Whoa. roundup concentrate, but since it's Ranger Pro, we're going to use 64 ounces. Pause. So I'm going a...
1: to. Is that wow. two quarts an you, acre? Just to let you know, uh, the these folks are in Oklahoma City area in the general. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So here we go. I'm doing doing it two quarts per acre on dormant Bermuda grass uh, in in OKC. Okay.
3: Set you guys up, and you guys are going to watch me fill my sprayer up. Alright, buddy. Okay. okay. First things first. Okay, we're gonna use a little bit of the first thing we use is we mix them up first, actually, and then we use the Resolute, and we use for
1: diamine For those twenty-four home.
3: ounces of this.
2: Oh boy, I'm cringing already. I know, I know you are, right. I know. Okay. I am cringing. Let me explain why. I'm sure,
3: that's
2: twenty-four. Is that is that resolute? It's
3: definitely. Yeah, that's resolute. That's, that's that prediamein flowable. That yeah. A little bit. Oh my
2: gosh. Oh, I did I did not see that. I did not see that. Man. Okay.
3: Perfect. No. So, not perfect at all. After we get them using the rain, uh, Resolute, 24 ounces of Resolute. This is all for a 20 gallon sprayer. So after these 24 is, ounces. What is your rate per cooking, acre
0: on your 20 gallon sprayer? answer is Mm Z-spray. Oh, please pour right into that. Yeah. Don't flush it. Please don't flush
3: it. Okay. After the 24 ounces of Resolute.
0: Yes. (laughs)
3: um, Yes. 64 ounces of Strike 3.
0: That's right. So we, we are making the assumption, that we are assuming here. We are assuming the sprays 20 gallons to the acre because that's what it said in the manual. Yeah, calibrated. And there is certainly no variation between these at all. That is a heavy two and a half. Careful. Here. Oh man, I was puckered b-hole there for a second.
2: No, I, I am still cringing, Matt. I'm still totally cringing. Because Ray,
1: Ray. When I saw this, I knew this was going to be the hardest for you out of everybody here. Just oh, oh, oh. This is when you're the bartender, and you know that you want to, okay. want to get this guy extra hammered. All right.
0: This, this is the, the bartender of lawn care approach.
1: <laughs> oh,
3: <it's> just, she
1: <laughs> no, cool. she just wiped the glove. She wiped the glove on the ground. Now for pause. Just pause. Yep. Now for the audio, folks. The audio, folks, because we have i the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Let us point. let let us set the scene here for you. All right. So mm-hmm. uh, this this lady, this nice young lady. Uh, it seems like it's her one of her first days on the sprayer. Uh, I don't know. You know, shouldn't talk about her training or anything like that. So she is in the front yard uh, of a customer. She is between their front fence and the truck which is on the sh- the curb right next to her. Yeah, so it looks like she's like, in the, the hell strip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hell strip. I don't see a sidewalk there, but it's it, yeah, it's just know. an open grass area. Bunch of bunch of uh leaves and and debris all around some dormant grass. So she's literally mixing on top of the soil, the grass right there on the lawn at the customer's place with concentrated material. All right. And so that's the scene. And That's the scene. Ray.
2: And she's pouring into a measuring cup without any kind of secondary containment underneath that measuring cup because the way i was trained is secondary containment secondary containment secondary containment so in other words like in a if a bucket I were to be, or something yeah like if i were to be pouring into a measuring cup And my measuring cup is not sitting in the strainer basket of my sprayer mat. Yeah, yeah, I have a five-gallon bucket that the measuring cup is sitting inside of. Do you know why? In case it gets knocked
0: over, because when the first when the first glug from the uh, from the uh, the pour uh, comes out, Mm -hmm. it can especially Mm -hmm. on soil uh a grass covered grass covered ground where it's a little spongy and uh it can definitely I, make for an uneven surface to pour into it, it, the potential, yeah, it, how how long i'm giving it I'm giving it another day or two before one of these is partially filled and gets knocked over
2: yeah and yeah. then okay, I'm also gonna set another scene in that this young lady is handling pesticide concentrates she does not have liquid proof chemical resistant gloves no uh she does not have proper eye protection and she also does not have a liquid proof apron and do you know why i bring up the the liquid proof apron matt uh the the label says so (laughs) yeah and not only that like at least in my state the hawaii department of ag comes around audits you and if you do not have or if they cannot prove that you used a liquid proof apron when you were f- handling pesticide concentrates guess what they do to you they write you the fuck up because it's obvious that you don't know what you're doing
1: i thought they were going to yeah. say take it over to the neighbor's house with the dog
2: I, in, in, in,
0: it is obvious, right? I, I, she says this is their, their second day, uh, doing chemical mm-hmm. applications and it's obvious. Uh, it's, it's obvious there's no formal training. I'm highly, highly questioning whether there's even a certification or a license that has been applied for mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, I, mm-hmm. and especially given the rates of Ranger pro there is no formal training in, uh, in.
1: Calculating a rate. Spraying it. Yeah,
0: probably. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like yeah,
1: looking at the label and doing yeah, the math. Because
2: Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but normally when you split, spray glyphosate concentrate on dormant Bermuda, your rates are riding between 16 to 32 ounces per acre.
0: Yeah, yeah. Am I right?
2: It, Am- yeah,
0: and we'll, we'll we'll
2: get into that. Let's 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 go just a
0: little bit longer here. For I don't know ten, maybe maybe go go to the I don't know fast forward like three minutes or something.
1: The Ranger Pro, so go to the Ranger Pro. What's your let's watch her mix that up.
0: What is Mystic HC? Is that a coloring? The blue, blue coloring. Dye. Okay, blue coloring. Man. Oh my God, is he spraying? Yes, yes. Oh my God, he sprayed right up to her. <gasps> yes.
3: Yes, oh, absolutely. so
0: she's, she's mixing the concentrates. Old boy is on another Z-spray machine. Apparently, they're tag teaming this lawn. And he sprays up to within, I don't know, 24 to 36 inches of her. And uh, if, you, if you've ever seen the spray pattern out of a Z-spray, that's a fine enough spray solution that I, I, I would not want to be that close to it. Now, again, I've said it before, and I'll say this again. I have reeled in a hose and knocked the gun off my hose while I was spraying Simazine, uh, TriPower power. And, uh, and I, and I, I, think potash and I took, uh, 160 PSI right to the face and open mouth of, uh, of said mixture went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and had shit my bed. Unbelievable volumes of waste Time's out of up, my body. Over. Uh, I, again, it's just it's something I'm a little careful of about being sprayed by someone else doing that. Um, okay, we'll we'll get into this real quick. And what 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 happened with with mixing the glyphosate? Demay.
1: Oh, just her, just the rate, just the rate. So let's unpack. She, she said
0: she said sixty four ounces, where Roundup she would use forty sixty four because this is Ranger Pro um and you do have various ai concentrations of between right. roundup uh but most however, formulations however. you're going to see is a four uh is a four uh four pounds of active ingredient per gallon uh so uh, that would be the same rate uh apples to apples all the way across now the other thing too is that uh uh Pink, if you don't mind pull up this article here from turf files and it talks about winter glyphosate applications of bermuda grass and, uh, and it talks about using one pint per acre on dormant Bermuda grass. But one of the things they did, if you go down a little ways, they talk about spraying greened up Tiffway Bermuda grass. This is gonna be partially greened up. And what you see is nine days and 24 days after treatment, the delay onset it has on the green up at various rates, right? Of going from eight ounces uh, all the way up to 32 ounces versus the control, right? And you do see a pretty significant knockback as you move up to 32 ounces per acre. Now at 64 ounces per acre, that's going to be even more exaggerated. And I will say this, at 64 ounces per acre, uh, even on dormant Bermuda grass, its it, you, you know it. Uh, it is not going to green up. Uh, it, well, it, it will eventually, but it is going to be a significantly delayed green up. It's gonna be and, elite, uh, isn't it? And it will it will give you a puckered asshole factor when you're driving down the neighborhood and everybody has green grass and your lawn is not, and you're like, what in the holy fuck did I do? Now, my question is, is where did these rates come from? If I had to guess, these rates came from the supplier of said uh, uh chemical yeah. materials. Said yeah, the chemical distributor, right? And I would say even more so the person they bought that Z spray from whichever, whichever distributor that was, uh, is, is who also sold them the chemical who's also gave them the rates per chemical and also told them what the mixed concentrations were to go in said sprayer that they bought from them as well. And I highly, highly, highly doubt that machine has been calibrated since it was purchased as that is typically the more technical aspect of machine ownership. I'll tell you what. There is one thing I hope, and as much as I, uh, the, the cynic in me wants to shit on this person, top to bottom, left and right, but more so, what I want to have happen is I want to watch what. And can we please bookmark this channel because I want to watch the the uh, the emotional meltdown that occurs over the course of this year when those lawns do not green up correctly, and uh, and see how well that is handled versus. Uh, the the level of training and experience they have because they're literally throwing themselves to the wolves here and have no idea they're doing it. And uh, this will be a learning moment for all
2: involved. Okay, and I I got another little little question for this person, or actually for Z-Spray owners in general. What happens when you pour a sick, poorly suspended material like prodiamine 4l straight into the tank of a z spray what happens because the reason why i ask is i'm spoiled i'm a spoiled son of a bitch because all of my sprayers have 500 psi jet agitation in the tank okay so i throw a wdg or a suspension concentrate into the tank. In one minute, that mix is thoroughly blended, but I don't see any kind of blending or mixing action. And one more note, you know, when you have a measuring cup with something in it, you normally wash out that measuring cup into the sprayer after each. Yeah. product has been measured so that you don't have all of that dunk barricade puke all over the inside of the measuring cup and also regarding measuring cups at least twice this young lady poured something from the measuring cup back into the bottle that is a huge, and I repeat, huge no-no, especially if you're not in the habit of washing out your measuring cup after each product. I mean, mm. this just begs for cross-contamination. And the way I learned this, of course, is not from, you know, applicator training. Uh, it's because I spent, uh, at least a year of my life in an organic chemistry lab. And for goodness sakes, you don't pour anything back into its uh bottle or or container because if something goes wrong, guess what happens, Matt? Up
1: in your face. Boom! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think the moral of the story here is, gentlemen, and the thing that the things that I wanted to highlight were you know, from a small picture up to a big picture, right. Uh, you know, poor mixing practices, right. Say Safe, major safety issues. Right. And Maddie, mm-hmm. caught one that I didn't even notice with the guy pulling within three feet of her face with, you know, a, a full a running. Full she's
0: on her knees. I, I, I height, like literally level. her face is eye level with the nozzles yeah, right there. and he's within <laughs> three feet of her. And, and in fact, that was just and, where we stopped the video. It could have been closer
1: yeah so the other thing here too and it's been pointed out several times in the comments here that these lawns that they're applying you know a, a herbicide to you know mm-hmm. uh, in in glyphosate but they need um you know contact with volunteer winter weeds right for those that contact work. yeah mm-hmm. these these lawns are completely covered with uh tree leaves debris stuff like that right so they haven't been blowing off or anything like that to, to basically gain access to the grass where they actually need the spray. So Mm -hmm. just a lot of practices, right? And I think the the moral of the story here folks is I don't care if you're a a one man band, it's okay to review this stuff. I don't care if you have 20 employees or anything in between, but you have got, got to have a training program and you have to make sure that, that you should do spot checks, that you should make sure that these policies and these procedures are being adhered to because there's too much at stake, right? There's too much at stake to make sure that this goes right. And boy, howdy. We just watched an 11 minute video and there was so much that could have gone wrong and God knows what happened outside of that. So I'm not gonna rag on these people. I'm using them as an example uh, of of getting your shit together and doing a good job. And hey, maybe if these people wanna learn, more than happy to help them out, come on the show, come talk to us. Uh, wait, Matt, did you hear that? Yeah. That's the bus starting up. We're gonna take their ass to school.
2: <laughs>
1: the old That's a big wagon. ass diesel. Yep. <laughs> Geez, the old loser, loser cruiser, <laughs> as it was known. You didn't have a car. You had to ride the loser cruiser. All right. Let's jump into. There it is. Speaking of speaking of loser cruisers, how about this Burns? Now I do want to point this out that, uh, one of our loyal listeners, one of our patrons, uh, Paul Smith down there in the Carolinas, uh, reached out to Hi me Paul. this week and let me, let me know, uh, <laughs> that really did sound like him, um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> he was actually Sheila this past week. Although it was a sweet 87 year old woman that backed into him. Uh, right. It was not some, uh, hot milf, you know, with a scorching case of herpes like Sheila. Uh, that, that re-ended him. So, you know what, Paul? I hope everything works out for you well. Hopefully, uh, your Sheila does not end up on our soundtrack. We'll just say that. Be her wheezing and looking for her, uh, portable nebulizer. Something like that. I don't know. All right. Uh, going into the burns here. Gentlemen, this isn't necessarily an article. Uh, JP, go ahead and pull up the link. And I want to talk a little bit about, uh, something. We're going back to the state of Maine, back to, uh, uh the 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 place the fortress of solitude for again one of our loyal listeners in uh Jesse Busquet his uh his favorite place on earth i think or one of anyway so uh what's going on up there right now is uh they passed this law last year that is requiring uh all of their uh pesticides to be registered in a different way this year that causes um vendors for all the things that are trade secret and Matt can talk a little bit about this too about how the confidential statement of formula works in most uh, cases with fertilizers and things like that. However, they're asking these uh, companies now to list out all of the things. So there's nothing that can be trade secret now with these because they are looking for PFOS and they're looking for other chemicals that are in these uh, formulations, right? That could potentially be hazardous. And as a result, right now, uh, we've got several major chemical manufacturers that are choosing not to register their products. And gentlemen, would you believe if I would tell you that uh, names like Syngenta, Portiva, Mm -hmm. Dow, Loveland, and PBI Gordon all have a deadline to register of Tuesday at the end of business. And if they don't, then their pesticides cannot be sold. Uh, Any any pesticides that are taken and bought by distributors uh, after the 21st of this month will not be allowed to be sold. They'll be able to sell out of their inventory that they have left in stock. And then after that, nothing for the remainder of the year. So in effect, a couple things are happening here. Uh, the other part of this bill too, is that adjuvants now have to be labeled as pesticides, meaning you have to do the exact same thing, right? To report all of your ingredients, and go through the same labeling process, whether it's a wetting agent, uh, a spreader sticker, anything like that, that normally under, under most state circumstances, you wouldn't have to do that for those items, right? So they've raised the bar and in effect, uh, with the PFAS thing have basically kind of done a backdoor ban on pesticides here, gentlemen. So without doing it and preempting it, like what, you know, we talked about a little bit here with you know Portland and some of the other places that have just outright banned it, they've kind of taken an end run around to say, well, listen, we're going to raise the bar so high that even Syngenta, Chem China. Right. And everybody else is like, "Nope, fuck it. We're out. Not doing it. Don't care. Yeah. That's a big, big deal. So again, no article or anything like that. This is all coming from, uh, industry sources and folks that, uh, I know over there and friends of friends, just trying to highlight some of the things that are going on. And again, uh, I think the scary part here, gentlemen, is that this is very much a blueprint of what might take place in other locations. So be wary. And I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly not sure at this juncture what we can do about it.
0: Yeah, and, and the only thing I'll say about this is that I, because I have no idea how this is going to shake out, this is going to be something to keep an eye on because it's the first time it's being enacted, right? So it's just we'll have to watch and see. Uh, but I can say that from a product formulation standpoint, a lot of the things that you're keeping secret has to do with how you get something to stay together. Whether it's a liquid, how do you get it to remain in total solution? Or if it's a suspension, how do you keep the material in that uh, 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 fully suspended? Or if it's a granular, how do you keep that granule to hold together? Is it naturally binding or are you adding, adding an inert binder to go along with it? And I can tell you that most of those times, you're not using toxic substances to be able to do that. You're using you know, various different acids and or bases and, uh, and, and getting creative with it, you know, sometimes maybe you have to use sodium, uh, hexametaphosphate or something, you know, which is, which is just going to be really bizarre, but in no way, uh, it, it would be a differentiator between you being able to make a product hold together and then someone else not being able to make it hold together. And you don't want to list it on a label because it gives up how you're able to do it. 99% of the, the, uh, other people can't do it. Right. So anyway, it just sucks. <laughs> it absolutely sucks. Uh, uh, so I so again, it, I will keep an eye on it. I have a feeling that we are going to see a major, major exodus from uh, uh, from from Maine and you know mm, how that plays out. I don't know. I'll keep an eye on it. That is for sure. Uh, the other ones here that I did want to talk about is if anybody has seen uh, in the news, uh, especially with spring break here and uh, the Tampa Bay area. Well, Red Tide is there. It's back. And uh, and whenever we see red tide, what is what is the major consensus? Is that well, phosphorus in nitrogen are in the waterways, and we're seeing greater and greater restrictions on phosphorus all over the place, right? I mean, it's we just saw uh, Pennsylvania just enact a, a new phosphorus ban, unless it's from organic sources, because remember, organic phosphorus doesn't count, right? Uh, but uh, as as these more and more phosphorus bans are 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 coming forward now of course we're seeing what happens uh we're getting the reinforcement from the news to say that this is good and and we have no idea why this keeps happening we need tighter and tighter phosphorus regulations in order to to, to help us out because in any way why we need tighter and tighter phosphorus regu- uh, uh, regulations is it is red tide it's all the spills and uh, uh contamination of waterways and and phosphageddon We have phosphageddon on, and this, this shows up in the news every, I don't know, year, I guess, where, uh, what is it that in 30 years, we're going to run out of phosphorus, right? That is, that is the, the, the typical consensus that we see here. And it may not even be five, uh, 30 years. Sometimes it's two years. Sometimes it's seven years. Sometimes it's 99 years, but all in all phosphorus is a finite resource and we're going to run out of it. Well, the the crazy thing is is that we also recycle a metric shit ton of phosphorus and uh and so and i think ray can attest to this is that uh you know we we we're not going to run out of phosphorus anytime soon um especially given the tighter and tighter regulations we're seeing on it right and so yeah rock phosphate reserves are drying up we're going down we're fucked we're gonna run out of phosphorus and we need phosphorus, all the humans on, in the world. We need phosphorus to live, but we're going to regulate the holy hat of it. So, so we can, we can end the, the dead zones Matt, and all this.
2: Yeah, I have an idea as to where a lot of that phosphorus and nitrates are coming from, in, what, uh, from Mother Jones. Oh, where's that? No, no. You see, Florida has a lot of sugarcane, fruits and vegetables. Uh Uh-huh. Growing. And the Florida Environmental Department is not exactly crawled up their asses about what they do versus how they harass and scrutinize turf managers in Florida. Yep. You know, I mean... It's kind of interesting in that I kind of understand the other side of the grower mentality, in that they're going to do whatever they think they got to do to get as much yield as they can out of that acre of land. Okay? They're going to do it. And if that means feeding heavy, Guess what, Matt? They're going to feed heavy. So, so basically what I'm hearing
0: from you is that lawn care is the problem. Therefore, we need more regulations in
2: lawn care. Is that what you said? No, we actually need to look at. Yeah, <laughs> I know you're funding me. We need to actually look at what all of the agricultural operations are doing in florida that's what yeah, needs to and, be looked at and, Actually, and, and we're not you know because look lawn care
0: is the is the bastardized stepchild of agriculture and so we will always pay for the sins of big brother whatever the case may be and i just to highlight on this this mother jones article uh, and you know again we we saw the guardian uh say that phosphageddon is here and now of course mother jones wants to play in it and and you know they are just backpaging on it and in fact if you type in phosphageddon in uh uh, uh <laughs> google right now you'll just see it over and over and over and over and and you can go back years and years and years of the same repeat Articles uh, articles showing up all over the place. Look, as you start getting into six, if you go to page like 227,000, you'll see it probably from like 20, 22 years ago, they're probably saying the same thing. Right. And uh, so it is what it is. Just be out there when you hear it, understand that, um, that you know, look, there is some validity, a hundred percent validity that we do need to be extremely careful and cognizant and uh uh, specific with our approach of phosphorus we should be the leaders in that in that space because we're the ones that have to pay the biggest price for it and uh and so the more that we can stand up and stand out and show uh, how to be responsible with it. It only makes us look better and we can encourage each other all to do that. And part of us encouraging each other to to do better with that is to also point out the fact that just replacing phosphorus with an organic source isn't enough. In fact, that's worse. You're not solving any issue by making the transition from ammonium phosphate to poultry litter and therefore thinking it's okay to go ahead and apply within three feet of a body of water because it's organic or apply it directly into a body of water because it's organic that is a bad 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 thing always around and therefore we should holy color hold each other accountable for that and, and, and again get away from this idea that uh, uh, if it's organic therefore it must be good that is not the case if you if you if you honestly believe that uh, go 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 I'm not, do not do this, do not do this, but go look at the LD50 of copper sulfate, for Christ's sake, don't spill any on your hands, don't drink any of it, because it is incredibly toxic, and, uh, but you know what, it is, it is the poster child of all things that are organic, and it will kill you quickly, Um, and we'll get into this last one here, uh, because uh, again, and I hate to say this, you know, is there, is there a war on lawns is really hard not to pretend like there isn't one, Um, because it just, it just, ah, man, it's everywhere you go, it's everywhere you go. It's inescapable. And again, the onus is on us to, to do better, to be better, to be better educated, to be able to talk about it. Uh, Because here we have, do clover lawns have actual pros? Here's what a Sacramento expert thinks of the trend. Swapping out grass lawns for water saving on terms has become new normal. But instead of trading your lawn for turf, have you ever considered clover? Uh, It's a TikTok and Reddit thing now, so bring it on. Uh, Masterclass, an online education system, which I'm sure is just absolutely phenomenal, it's also designated a class, giving green thumb enthusiasts a play-by-play oh, to starting goodness. their very own clover lawn. <laughs> the benefits: it's low maintenance, it's a huge pollinator, and it requires uh, significantly less uh, uh, water. The drawbacks: uh, it, it attracts a high number of bees, which, if you've got children, you know, fuck, they're going to get stung. And the aesthetics: well, it's, it just doesn't look that very good. And if you have a high traffic area, it's 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 going to look it's going to you are going to have a dirt yard. So, you know. <laughs> It doesn't sound very applicable to the types of people that are regularly enjoying lawns, which are going to be people that have children or uh, uh, that uh, that are that are out there actually utilizing it. Um, if we look at the average age and demographic of the people that are uh, 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 in our community, uh, they either have children that enjoy their lawn or they enjoy their lawn being out in it themselves, right? And uh, and it's funny we're all in kind of that same age range and we like to do things outdoors. And uh, whether you have kids or not, you enjoy being out there in it, walking around in it, working in it, getting from point A to point B in it. Maybe you like to play uh, the uh, the old cornhole out there in it, or whatever the case may be. The point is, is that it serves function as well as uh, as well as aesthetic, right? And uh, but uh, you know, if if you want to try clover lawn, by all means, I'm not going to shit on you for it. That's fine. Uh, but there, understand there are going to be drawbacks to it too, especially if you have kids that want to go out there and use it and play soccer on it, and they're constantly uh, uh trudging mud holes into the ground at a gr- at a greater or quicker extent than it would be if you had actual grass but then also uh the 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 fact that they're being stung by bees all the time and then you know well hey but look we're doing our part to save the planet with this giant fucking mud hole and then the bee stings right that's that's all because what kills bees quicker what kills bees quicker uh having uh an actual grass lawn or them stinging you, because as far as i I know which i'm i'm not i'm not a, a a bee a bee expert, but I feel like if they sting you and their stinger lodges in you, it rips their guts out, and they fucking die, if I recall correctly, so uh yeah, good, they do matt they good do. luck, and killing
2: all the bees, and i have one more little thought on this is that unfortunately i I know that a significant number of the population is violently allergic to bee stings and this is not just a childhood thing oh yeah carrying that i know adult yeah i I know i mean these people if they get stung by a bee under any circumstance uh you're gonna end up jamming the EpiPen in their leg and you're gonna be feeding them benadryl until the ambulance comes don't ask me how i know okay don't ask me Uh how i know that
0: (laughs) <laughs> uh, we we are way over mm-hmm. time, so we're going to go ahead and jump into this week's returns.
2: Demet,
0: de- mez- hey take this one too, please. Oh, D- sure. The, the, ke- <the-onas->? the, la- the Keanu Reeves. The what? The Keanu Reeves.
1: Oh, you want here. me to do that one? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. well are you Please. above reading that is that
0: no because right. this is
1: oh. all right i'll this read it perfect for you like all right here we go so scientists <laughs> named a fungicide after Keanu reeves because it's extremely effective at killing just like his character like john wick new compounds hmm. discovered by scientists are effective killers but instead of killing bad guys they kill fungi Researchers at Lebanese uh, Institute for Natural Product Research and in Infection Biology in Germany found certain bacteria naturally contained compounds effective at killing fungi that affects plants and humans. Scientists named them chianomycins A, B, and C after the actor Keanu Reeves. The three mycins, lipopeptides, and bacteria of Pseudomonas genus commonly found in and water were isolated by scientists who tested their deadly properties. They found the compounds got rid of amoebas and fungi. Uh, Lipopeptides lipo kill so efficiently that we name them after Keanu Reeves because he, too, is an extremely deadly in his roles. The study's main author, Sebastian Goetze, uh, said a press release. Scientists released their findings in the Journal of American Chemical Society in January. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so they talk about some of the things that uh, the, they're effective in killing, which is... Uh, gray mold rot which is uh, really really impactful on wine grapes and strawberries uh so they're trying to use that They're also uh trying to find out what they might be able to do uh in crops and other crops here to target and be a little bit more precise with these particular chianomycins so gentlemen my uh, my
0: favorite my favorite though is its ability at treating the human pathogenic fungus responsible for The Sheila Infection, infection, also known as the Yeast Infection. (laughs) Kudos. Kudos to Keanu Keanu Reeves for not just killing people, but yeast infections.
2: Okay, here's my little question about this brand-new novel, Biologically Derived Fungicides, because I remember up until the 1980s, There was actually a biologically derived fungicide called cyclohexamid. And do you know what the problem with cyclohexamid was? I, I don't. That shit will kill you. Okay. It was a very, it was a very effective fungicide for leaf spot and rust and brown patch on turf grass, for example. But my God, the LD50 on that stuff was single digit. And so, of course, naturally, with safer products uh, coming around, uh, that got quietly yanked from the market and nobody missed it. It, So just because it's naturally
1: derived
2: doesn't mean it's necessarily better.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say there there is a lot of work, and I think it'll be cool to watch this all evolve. Uh, you know, naming after your favorite movie character. I mean, there's a lot of history and uh, but but what, and uh, also astronomy and stuff like that. Like, but mm-hmm.
2: I yeah, don't know. yeah, the wizard. Yeah, just because it's natural. Because there is an antifungal antibiotic in current use right now called amphotericin B, and that too it works on. Otherwise, untreatable fungal infections in humans, however, I guess a couple milligrams too much, and you just killed the patient well uh,
0: <laughs> if you're if you're uh, a fan of death, boy, we have left nothing uh, for you to desire with this episode. We had wood chippers uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, antifungal medications that will end you really quick. but I think the one thing that is shocking to everyone and and I I I saw this Times article and it was uh, it was actually pretty pretty high up there on a, on a couple news sites the Dutch pro farmer party sweeps elections upsetting the status quo and if you have not followed what's going on over there this is you know you have the 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 nitrogen reduction and and repurposing of of uh, of family farms, you know, being uh, uh, acclimated and redistributed amongst the the populace, and all kinds of strange things that are that are taking place in and around the Netherlands right now in regards to farming. And this is where you saw videos coming out of uh, of of ranchers and other uh, uh, animal animal uh, raisers with with truckloads full of manure sludge and just spraying it into the atmosphere at at the uh, the the pro uh, pro government people that are interested in passing this, and it was one of the most phenomenal things I had ever seen as far as a farmer uprising. Whether you agree with them or not, you have to you have to admire the set of of testicular fortitude it took to do something like that. And uh, I hope they are investing in that counter Reeves fungicide because whatever whatever yeast infections may be showing up after spraying with that much manure is is you're going to need all the pseudomonas that you can get. Uh, a small pro-farmers party swept provincial elections in the Netherlands to become the biggest in the Senate by channeling wide dissatisfaction with the Dutch government and sharp to Prime Minister Mark Root's e- administration. The results put the party, the farmer citizen movement, which has fewer than 11,000 members, according to its website, on track to become a major player in the government body that approves or rejects legislation that comes out of the House of Representatives. Some Dutch voters said they viewed the party's success as a victory against the country's elites as well as the government. They said it showed support for the preservation of rural life in the Netherlands and the farming economy in particular. The voters from all parts of the country, including suburban areas, supported the party. But the victory could make it difficult for Mr. Rut's government to pass a strict law to cut nitrogen emissions in the Netherlands by 50 percent by 2030 to fight climate change and place it in line with the European Union requirements to preserve nature reserves. The Prime Minister's party, which does not have a majority in the Senate or the House, needs a coalition vote to pass laws. The pro-farmers party, known by its Dutch acronym BBB, opposes the plan, saying it could imperil uh, farmers' operations in the country renowned for its agricultural industry. To reach the government's emission reduction goals, thousands of farmers would have to significantly reduce the number of their livestock and the size of their operations, farmers and their supporters say. Uh, if they cannot help meet the government's target, they may have to close down their operations altogether. Mr. Root, who is not up for re-election for a few more years, is one of Europe's longest-serving leaders. Having been elected in 2010, called the results a scream at politics. Mm, of course, a, uh, a sitting a sitting uh, a president would say that. Anyway, it goes on to say, uh, they already couldn't ignore us, but now they definitely can't. It's one thing to be sprayed in the face with a uh, truck full of manure. It's another thing for them to actually be voted into, uh, political participation here. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised, uh, as farmers, we felt abandoned by the political society. However, guess what? We're back bitches. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, it will be interesting to see how all this plays out. This is going to go on my, uh, things I did not expect to have happened at bingo card. And, uh, will be pretty cool to watch how it plays out. Now, my question right. is, is that what we see here, mm-hmm. Where else will this be replicated in the world? You know, I think, I think we've seen, uh, farmer esque uprisings in other countries to date. I know Ireland was one of them. Of course, everything that goes on in Canada, uh, makes our news as well, given that they are, our, uh, our, our little, our little brothers that, uh, you know, I mean,
3: mm-hmm.
0: in Canada, I love you, Mike Taylor, by the way, uh, and all our Canadian brethren, it's just, I like, I like to shit on you because, well, I don't know, because I'm an asshole, a pompous asshole. As a matter of fact. And that, and that called being an American. I don't know, Uh, but case in point is uh, this: this will be fun to watch, nevertheless. And uh, I am fucking here for it,
2: Matt. I think I understand how this came to be. The common citizens in the Netherlands realized what the actual unintended consequence of would be of shutting down farmers in that you know uh I joked on the Discord this morning about how okay they make me start eating bugs or anything plant based uh I am gonna be the one at the nation's capital storming the White House (laughs) I will easy and
0: uh, Ray's being indicted on Tuesday too (laughs) (laughs) but hey I will protest if you get indicted Ray I'll tell you that right now I will be the angriest drunkest redneck you have ever seen I will have a bottle of bourbon of barrel proof bourbon in hand uh, shouting obscenities at the top of my lungs but
2: shoot me motherfucker but yes. the whole point is is that can you imagine your average dutch citizen being told okay no more cheese no more butter no more milk it's all gone well because we have that bucks is for the, that
0: ray so it it doesn't matter no you know um, can
2: you can you imagine can you imagine that i mean because that is i think what actually happened matt is people came to realize yes. you shut down Time you shut down farmers over. like this your, our grocery sh- store shelves are going to be bare, and whatever is there, you know, remaining is going to be ridiculously and obscenely expensive and oh no it, it won't be bare
0: it'll be imported from other countries with a lesser product and uh and then they're going to be like you know hey look it, we're going to wash away your culture of being able to produce you know these these fine delicacies in favor of what we're able actually, to mass produce somewhere incredibly no. cheap and you will eat it actually that no, like-
2: The uh, the whole thing about food imports into places like the eu is that the eu is tremendously picky about what they'll even allow into the eu quality wise i mean yeah until they start starving but then to to this point they don't they're like
0: and then all of, of a sudden, craft slices will be sold as Gier in the middle of the Netherlands. They'll be like, "Yeah, it's craft American yeah. <laughs> cheese singlets, also known as Gier. Yeah, have fun with it; it's delicious. You'll love it. It's from the Alps. <laughs> it's from the Alps yeah, of Appalachia.
2: And... <laughs> well, and and you know, funny you should joke about that because something like a craft singles product is literally not admissible into the eu because of what's in it most of what's in it is considered is an illegal food additive
0: (laughs) what, what i think is fascinating about this is that this is a group of people who said i will not participate in the facade of the lesser of two evils we will get involved and we will make a difference right and uh, mm-hmm. and I and I think that's inspiring for anyone who looks at whatever political climate is in front of them and say, I disagree with this and I disagree with that. I, I agree with some of this. I agree with some of that and not being suckered into thinking, well, then I just have to choose from the lesser of two evils. Right. And I think that has become the dominant stance of politics in the United States today. And that's why so many people are much closer than they realize, but oftentimes find them so far apart Because they feel like they have to choose the lesser of two evils and the the evils that they uh, choose to to let slide by are are, are nose from the other people. So it is what it is. But I think that this is inspiring, at least in that sense, and hopefully uh, offers a set of balls for more people to stand up. I would love the opportunity to stand up. But the number of skeletons, well, flat out demons I have in my closet would ultimately obscure me from being able to do so. But kudos to these people for doing it. Uh, Real quick, let's check out this week's mailbag.
1: You've got mail.
0: We do have mail, and this one is from Greg M. Greg M. says, uh, uh, "Is let's go carbon pro G soil optimixer worth the money and effort to use? Yes, you should second mortgage your house and continue to apply it. Uh, and reverse I say that facetiously. It, reverse, reverse, mortgage reverse mortgage it, as a matter of fact. Reverse mortgage your 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 family's yeah. houses too. And uh, mm-hmm. and what is that? A twenty two percent loan on your HELOC right now. Get four of them because yeah. fuck it. You need mm-hmm. that much carbon pro G to go down." Look, we talked about this a dozen times on the show. We had a Joe Knows Turf specific to this, and here's the thing: is that if you if you want to get into this wide world, there's a couple of questions that you need to ask Uh, ask ask you know the the uh, uh, paralysis temperature, the residence time, the uh, uh, the biomass. Uh, the, the, uh, the composition of the compost that it was co-composted with, how do all of those affect your specific soil conditions? And if you can point out the positives that affect yours, not just because it's in the bag, but I'm talking about those individual, uh, variations and how they affect your soil composition will tell you whether or not it's worth the, the, the money to use. Here's the thing is that there's so much secrecy when it goes to, to what actually is made up in that, in that whole thing is that you'll never be able to find that answer. And until there's an overwhelming amount of transparency, so that way you can start to apply apples to apples of what makes sense to you and what doesn't make sense to you. First off, you're going to be limited to a small part of the United States that would even see a realized benefit from it. And even further is that considering the other variables that are in it that are secret, you're not probably going to be able to figure that out. So it is you have a greater probability of being struck by lightning than you will be uh, getting a return on investment of being able to apply that. So uh um, I apologize, but go back and check our Joe Knows turf episode where we specifically talked about that. And, uh, and, and what I would do is, uh, is just walk away from it because again, you're applying pounds of something to affect a furrow slice of soil that ultimately is millions of pounds. And at that type of, of rate of inclusion, you're probably not going to figure it out. There's other ways that you can use biochar to manipulate soil characteristics. And I'm not going to get into this, uh, here and now, No, uh, 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 no, I I misstated that there's probably no way that you're going to be able to apply biochar in a way that will have a meaning impact on soil characteristics. There's ways that you can use biochar to manipulate nutrient availability or even probably not even nutrient availability, but nutrient release characteristics. And, uh, and, and that is in and of itself, a whole nother shit show that has nothing to do with carbon pro G. And, uh, and so, uh, your, 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 your safest bet, your highest degree of probability by like 9999 uh 9999 uh, nine, nine, nine to the power of pi uh of 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 having good results with it is is to the negative so uh good 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 riddance All right. That is going to wrap up our episode for today. We're going to head over to the show after the show to let our patrons choose this week's episode. Don't forget we're in podcast form on all your favorite podcast players. We love y'all. We'll see you on Thursday where we have Dan, the motherfucking lawn man coming on, and he's going to play ball with us down in SoFlo. And I'm sure we'll get an active lesson in St. Augustine, heat, uh, South Florida, Cuba, and uh, all things that are good in the world. Love y'all. Bye.